0: We hope that this message encourages you today. For more information about us, please visit myfreedom.church I am going to remind you that we're studying the Bible. Which book of the Bible are we studying? Who can remember? Colossians, this is indeed true. So we've had a bit of a pause. We've been doing some other things during the weeks. And I am picking up where we left off. I wonder if anybody can remember where we left off. Don't worry if you can't, but we're still in chapter 1. Before I do that, I'm going to jump into Hebrews to give a little bit of context. Um, Why are we doing this? Why are we studying the word? Well, Hebrews 4 says some amazing things, but it says this. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom he must give account. I'm going to keep going because it's good. Seeing then that we have such a great high priest, Jesus, who passed through the heavens, let us hold fast our confession. For we don't have a high priest who can't sympathise with our weaknesses, But he was in all points tempted like we are, but was without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, so we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. That's good, isn't it? Yeah. Guess where it's found? In the Bible. It's a good book. Okay, so we are studying the Word because the Word of God is living and active. Really powerful stuff. It is a supernatural book. And it is the weapon, one of the weapons that we fight with. The more we know it, the more versed we are in Scripture, the easier Holy Spirit's job is to remind us and prompt us and empower us in situations where we need a word. You know, we can't stand on anything other than God's solid word. Everything else is sinking sand. We need to know what the word says so we can be assured we can stand when all things around us are failing. Okay, so I'm going to read from verse 24 of Colossians up to the end of that chapter, which takes us to verse 29. This is Paul talking. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship or administration from God which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, to this end, I also labour, striving according to his working, which he works in me mightily. Amen. The word of God. We're going to pick this apart. We will pull out some themes because we simply will not have time to cover every minutia. And We've got a few little asides here and there, but bear with me. And by the way, um, this is a participation sport. Okay, so your participation is there. yeah, amen, I agree, that's good, preach it Stu. All right, so we shall start at the beginning. What does Paul say? Now I rejoice in my sufferings. Woo, this is a fine place to start, isn't it? Wow, There's a bit of a, a downward key. All right, okay, so I've been looking in the Greek, you'll be glad to know. And the word sufferings, thank you. Is the word pathema you can all say pathema Pathema. you can speak Greek well done now the definition of this is it's something undergone ie hardship or pain an emotion or influence affliction or suffering okay now I'm going on a little side route here I want to stress that this is not sickness Okay, I'm throwing this in for free this morning <clears throat> because I believe in the restoration of all things, and this is part of that. Now, we may suffer sickness, but it is not God's will for you. All right, And I want you to understand that when you, when you are feeling sick and are sick, you are not suffering for the gospel, okay? I'm making a very clear distinction for a reason this morning, okay. All 29 references that I looked up of the word (coughs) suffered, which was actually pascheo, or suffering, which is "pathema." all those references directly reference Jesus' suffering or Paul's suffering for the gospel and another one. And it was all about circumstantial situation that brought suffering, not and nothing to do with sickness. Okay? So when you read suffering, do not think, oh, somebody was sick. That's part of suffering. No. Okay? Now, I want to stress, sickness is not brought by God. There is no sickness whatsoever in heaven. And we are commanded to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay? So I just want to reiterate, sickness is not God's will. Now, I'm not saying that it isn't used and we learn through it massively. However, it is not God's will. We live in a fallen world and people get sick. All right. Now, would you like to know what the Bible says about sickness? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. So I had a look at the New Testament and all the references I'm going to read to you about sickness. Are you ready? How long have we got? There weren't that many. Okay, so here we go. Pin back your luggles, get ready. Fasten your seatbelts. Matthew 4.23 And Jesus went about teaching, preaching and healing all manner of sicknesses. Matthew 9.35 Jesus healing every sickness and every disease. Chapter 10 verse 1 He gave power to the disciples to heal all kind of sickness and to heal all kind of disease. Matthew 8, 17. He himself bore our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Last one, Mark 3, 13 to 15. Jesus appointed the 12 disciples to be with him, to go out and preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and drive out demons. Amen. That's what the Bible says about sicknesses. Don't you think that's good? I do. Thank you, Alan. I'm glad you agree because I'm on a campaign To see sickness dealt with. I realise that that's been stuck on me. That sickness is not to reside in the people of God. And it's got to start here. I have to do my battle. I have to learn. God is training me to deal with sickness. To take the promises and say, thus saith the word, I am not to be ill. Symptom, get off my body now. Okay. Thank you. Now. Please don't be condemned in what I'm sharing. You think, well, I get sick and and I'm suffering. I empathise with you and I want to strengthen you. I want to encourage you. What the Bible says about sickness is, Jesus came to heal it. Come on, boys. We've got a job to do to regain that revelation and that experience that we see healing manifest when we pray. I prayed for Lee this morning. Are you feeling any better, Lee? Yeah, it's thumbs up. Praise God. We'll bring that on. Okay. So. Back down the avenue, back to the book, back to the script. Suffering. It's good, I assure you. Okay, so what is suffering? Let's have a look. Do you think if Paul was talking about suffering, he might be a bit of an expert to explain it? Yeah? All right, so if you've got your Bibles there, jump back to 2 Corinthians 11. Probably a familiar passage to those who have been in the Word a while. 2 Corinthians 11. Okay, so it's in the midst of Paul having an argument about an issue. And as an aside, he starts to mention this list of awful things that happens to him. So, chapter 11, verse 23. So it's starting a little bit mid-flow. So, are they ministers of Christ? I'm speaking as a fool here, he says. Well, I'm also in labours more abundant, in stripes above measure. Now, When he's saying that, he's meaning whipping physical whipping, in prison more frequently, in deaths often, from the Jews five times I received the 39 stripes, not the 39 steps, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of water, perils of robbers, perils of my own countrymen, perils of the Gentiles, perils in the city, in the country, At sea, amongst false brothers, in weariness, toil, sleeplessness, hunger, thirst, fastings, often cold and nakedness. And he jumps down to verse 32 in Damascus, I was let down in a basket from the city wall because the king was after me. That's a list of suffering, man. Whoa. Maybe we ought to pack up and go home now. Okay, don't be condemned. Thank God that you're not experiencing shipwrecks and perils and everything else. Thank the Lord. Now, Paul was a man with an extraordinary calling. Therefore, he also had an extraordinary grace. And I would say that God will also grace us. You know, we may fear situations, think, I could never, I could never cope with that, I could never cope with da 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 da. da. And you come to that point and actually God graces you in the situation. You think, wow. And then you look back and you think, how did I get through that situation? How was, how, what? It was the grace of God. He meets us at our point of need. God deals in today, not tomorrow or yesterday. It's today that matters. So worrying ahead of time is a bit of a waste of time. He will turn up on time to support us. Okay, so Paul is talking about sufferings, and it's part and parcel of the Gospel. I don't want to be negative, but it is. Okay, and comparing ourselves to that list, you might think, well, am I a Christian? Because I don't go through this stuff. Well, yeah, if we believe in Jesus, we are believers. We're born again, we're believers. And we do suffer. Hands up if you feel you suffer for the sake of the Gospel. And I would expect every hand to go up if you love Jesus. I expect you will suffer. Okay, now, it may not be like Paul did. We're living in a bit of a different day. But I I think there are believers who are experiencing some of these things. Definitely, read Open Doors magazine. You will know about the persecuted church. They have a reality of suffering that we know very little about. But for us... This is an example of suffering, living in a godless culture. Immoral behaviour on the television and the media. Blasphemy. You know, it, it makes me wince and stuff you see. And it's like, it, it bombards you. Do you remember it talked about, um, I think it's righteous lot was tormented day by day because of the culture in which you live was so godless. It causes us suffering. There's that. Oh, God. It's like, oh, get me out of here. You know, just let me get to a place which is nice. Just a place of wholesomeness. Um, Another way that we can suffer, we suffer by keeping our word. You know, it talks in Proverbs about keeping our word to our hurt. You know, I said I would do it. Therefore, okay, I'm going to do this. I don't feel like it, I don't want to, but I'm honouring my word because I promised this person I would do X, Y, Z. That's a type of suffering. It's basically coming against the flesh that would say, oh, forget it. Oh, don't bother. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, you said you'd arrive at two. Well, just five o'clock will be fine. No, no, you honour your word. You make the point. Try to be on time. Whatever it is. And there's a degree of suffering because you're having to adhere to... What you understand and believe to be a Christian lifestyle, a Christian manner or way. So when those irritations come, recognize this is about making a choice to choose to go the right way, even though it hurts. Okay. Now, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, these are very incy wincy tiny little things, but they count. They count. Um, and they are important and other people recognise that people who aren't believers see those things so we push through mental or physical opposition to fulfil and honour what we've said we can also suffer disappointment particularly when people let us down believers I would say more because in an unbeliever you might expect that But in a believer, you kind of think, well, I expect differently. And you may feel let down by God. Now, that's an interesting one, isn't it? It's a suffering because maybe we just got the wrong end of the stick with God. Maybe we didn't expect that particular answer. You have an expectation and an anticipation because you're trusting, but it didn't work out. That pains me, Lord. What's going on? That's a suffering where we're trying to unravel. Father, what's all that about? And the suffering is choosing to say, God, I'm not going to be offended. The world is full of offence. I'm choosing not to take offence. That's a suffering. But in fact, you know what? It's actually the best thing you could do. (laughs) Because even if you hold offence, it's worse it's very bad for you. Yes. Let them go. But something in us, like you get cut up on the road and you think, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I'm going to cut him up back. I'll just... Anyway. But we have to die to self. And it's a suffering. Let it go. And you know what? Often it's the case, it's in that very moment. You've got to catch it right there and then. So it doesn't get in and fester. You've really got to guard your heart. That's a suffering. You know, especially if you're having a really bad day and everything seems to be going wrong and this is the last straw. I'm going to explode. Rain it in. It's a suffering. Okay. Being wronged is a tough thing to deal with sometimes. But all of these are forms of suffering. And as I've said, they don't really compare to physical suffering like the beatings uh, and oppression that we know our brothers and sisters around the globe experience. But it is still a suffering. And I want to give you an example. Maybe some of you have read the book, The Heavenly Man, regarding Brother Yun, Chinese believer. Phenomenal story, just amazing. He went through some incredible physical suffering. For the gospel, he was imprisoned wrongly, as many believers in China have been, and probably still there today. Um, And I know at least he faced torture. I'm I'm not, I can't remember the story well enough to know whether he was physically tortured, but he certainly endured physical hardship. A lot of, I mean, their family home they had the door removed. And you think, okay, think about the reality: having your own front door removed. It was probably a small house, not a big one. And in Chinese winters, it gets very cold. Imagine, you know when your door's open and it's cold, "Oh, show that door, it's blinking freezing in here." Having the dorm removed, burnt, a shame in the neighborhood that obviously people can see. You know, that's just an example of the, the oppression. But in the book, he, he manages to escape and gets to the states where I, I think he may still live there now um, He said that a pain, oh, excuse me, you know how I get choked up. (sighs) A pain worse than all that that he experienced in China (sighs) was the slander he experienced from believers when he got to the States. He said it was a pain, more more of a hardship. That's suffering as well. And we can experience that too. We can know what that's like, to be wronged, be completely slandered by somebody. And to know you are suffering in Christ when you're walking a godly life and this is coming at you because of that here's a guy who speaks from experience, he said that was more painful. So don't undermine emotional suffering for the gospel. The anguish that sometimes we have as believers when we're seeking for more, we're seeking God, we're crying out for more, we just don't seem to be seeing the results that we want. The suffering we can experience in our situation is Continuing to believe and act accordingly in the face of circumstance which doesn't seem to budge. Okay? So it's a, a demonstration or an example of how we can know what it is to suffer in those terms for the gospel. So, examples. We continue to meet here in East End Park despite losses in members. And all of the emotional fallout that that was felt. Okay, we continue. We continue to meet, despite thwartings to our plans, circumstances which deplete our focus and energy from what God has called us to do here. We've had them. They've come against us. It may not be automatically obvious to some of us, but they have. The discouragements, disheartenings and disappointments. This is all a suffering because we believe we're called to East End Park to do something of a magnitude that we perhaps haven't really understood or really even begun to see the first step of it. This is why we come. (laughs) We have a plan. We have a goal. We have a destiny. And I'm prepared to get up on a Sunday morning and come. I'm prepared to come when I don't feel like coming. I'm prepared to... Come through. Push through. I'm prepared to come to the prayer meeting, even though I don't want to. Yes, we have the prayer meeting coming, coming up. We want, this is our prayer meeting, we want everybody who can to come. Because together, we're stronger. Together, we will hear the heart of God. It's, it's a wonderful thing when you all hear the heartbeat of heaven together, of the things God's unfolding for us and what he's speaking to us to do. Suffering is continuing to pray for an unbelieving family member when you get this negative response. Suffering is continuing to have your quiet time when you think, oh, jack it in, I never get anything out of it. What's the point? It's continuing in the journey. Suffering is getting up early enough to pray if you don't have time in the day. I could go on. But basically, suffering is to continue believing the promise when it hasn't yet manifest in whatever realm that might be. Okay, now that all sounds really quite negative, and oh my let's go on now. Stupid suffering. But what does Paul say if we can jump back to Colossians or forwards or backwards? There we go. What does does he say? This is phenomenal. He says, I now rejoice in my sufferings. Oh my word. Oh my word. I am, I am, I am exercised with this to turn it around. Now, you know, when you kind of understand that suffering's part and parcel, yeah, I get that. But you're in no man's land when you haven't quite stepped into saying, Oh, I'm counting it joy. Whoops. Okay? Now when you start to count it joy, it releases something. Something happens. It's moving into, I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to declare praise. I'm going to praise him because I see something now beyond what I thought. Paul says, I think it's in James, one translation says, Welcome trials as friends. Hi, buddy, give us a hug. Hey, trouble, I love you. Mm-hmm. What? what is this? Well, I tell you what, let's jump to Romans 8. Because if you can capture something of what Paul had seen by way of revelation. Now, I might read half of this chapter. It's so good. And then maybe I might just, do you think I can do that? Should we have a vote on that? Shall I read from verse 18 to the end of it? Yeah. I have one hand up, one hand. Yes. Uh, yes, okay, right. So, Paul says, For I consider, this is verse 18 of chapter 8 of Romans, For I consider that the sufferings, everybody says sufferings, Suffering. of this present time just aren't worthy to be compared with the glory of, That will be revealed in us. It gets a bit wordy here, so bear with me. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. That's you guys and me. Creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope. Because creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption. Into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Everybody say, the freedom of the children of God. <laughs> Come on, that's what we're heading into. For we know the whole creation groans and labours with birth pangs. Have you seen that lately on the news? Together until now. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we groan within ourselves. That's a kind of suffering. We're groaning, longing for better. Eagerly awaiting the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen isn't hope at all. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we don't see, we wait for it eagerly with perseverance. That's another form of suffering. I'm still believing, I'm persevering through this. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in weakness. We don't know what we should pray. As how we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession with groanings that can't be put into words. Now he who searches hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And verse 28, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Jump down to verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation or distress? Persecution or famine? Nakedness? Peril or sword? As it's written, for your sake we're killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things... Say, in all these things, we are, what? More than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded neither death nor life, angels nor principalities, powers nor things present nor things to come, height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on, bring it on. You can praise him and say hallelujah. Well, you're not that excited, I see. But hey, this is the reason that Paul could say, I rejoice in my sufferings. Because this was so embellished in his heart that he could praise him. He knew that it had a higher purpose. He knew that it was going to count. He knew it was going to pay off in the long run. It was a stepping stone to glory. All of this stuff that was coming against him. This is why he was the man he was. He saw something so immense, so vast, so incomparable that he could rejoice in the face of all sorts of challenges. Now, don't worry. We've only got to verse one of this passage. (laughs) I'm not going to spend as long on the rest. But let's just then dig out a little bit more here. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you. Wow, that's selfless. (laughs) He's not doing for his own benefit. (laughs) And he says he fills up in his flesh what is lacking in the affliction of Christ. Didn't Jesus suffer enough? And he's saying, I want to fill up. I want to participate in what you suffered, Jesus, because I'm so smitten by you. He's on another planet, isn't he, really? Just another level. Wow. Keep going. This is all for the sake of his body, which is the church of which he, Paul, became a minister, according to the administration from God which was given to him for us to fulfill the word of God. So do you know what? God called him out and said, right, Paul, you're my vessel. (sighs) No thanks, God. I don't want that. Ah, Run, run, run. There's a story about Jonah tried a similar thing. You know, when God gets you, there's no escape. He's called us Freedom Church. He's stuck it on us for a reason. I want you to model freedom. Because that's why my son suffered and died and rose again. He descended to death, hell and the grave and took the keys, keys, opened doors, set people free. Jesus has the keys for freedom. He wants freedom in us so that we can bring freedom to others and bring transformation. We are stuck with a label, but I like that label. And it's going to continually remind us freedom, 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 freedom is what our destiny is all about. So Paul was called on behalf of us and all believers as a minister of the gospel to bring revelation to bear. So verse 26, this mystery or secret has been hidden from ages and generations but now has been revealed to his saints. Now we're talking about 2,000 years ago that this revelation came un- un- was revealed and we're living in the benefit of it and we are still discovering What is this revelation? What is this secret manifest now? What is God saying? It's a phenomenal administration from heaven about the freedom of the sons of God, the mystery of the gospel. Revealed to his saints. Verse 27, and and Paul says, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery. To them, it's a strange thing. Why didn't he say to you? Well, he's talking as a Jewish man about the Gentiles, and that's us. Okay, just as an aside, so we see the dialogue going on. The mystery was about, it's not just you Jewish guys anymore, this is for the world. You didn't understand what had been entrusted to you, and you made a bit of a dog's dinner of it. Sorry, guys, but you did. But God knew that would happen. But now this mystery is to break open salvation for the entire globe, all the nations under heaven, to have a testament of God in every nation, tribe, and tongue. This is wonderful. This is what it's about. But what is this mystery, which would take a few books, not even libraries, to unpack, and I'm not going to do it, But we'll have a little look at it. This mystery is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Pause. Excuse me? Even the Jewish people had no comprehension what this was about. They worshipped God from afar. It was only once a year that one man could go into the Holy of Holies. And they saw God as a pillar of fire and a, a pillar of smoke and the flames of fire This distant, they were frightened, terrified on the mountain, the thunderings and the peals and whatever. Said, oh, no, no, please don't come any closer. So for the Jewish people, it was a, a revelation. For the Gentiles, it was amazing. What, you Jewish people, you're speaking to the Gentiles? You're saying, we welcome you, what's going on? And it wasn't overnight, by the way. It took years and years for all of this to be unpackaged. But that now... There will be one new man, Jew and Gentile, together experiencing the risen Christ indwelling. Jesus is in us. Amen. The prophecy I brought earlier was about the Holy Spirit. I mean he was saying, brooding on us, but really He's in us, but it's the analogy that, to help us understand what does it mean? Because often we feel God when the anointing is with us. He wants to manifest it in a, in a felt sense, we feel him on us, don't we? But this mystery, Christ is in every one of us. Do we see it? Do we understand that? I want to stir you. Because Christ is in every single one of us here who's accepted Jesus. Who said yes to this gospel. He's living in you. I expect to see him in you. And I expect to be able to make a draw on the Jesus in you. Because he is there hello Jesus, show yourself. He's there. Is it Lazarus, come forth. You know, Jesus is in there somewhere, I assure you. Be provoked. He wants to be revealed too. Are we in the way a bit? Is the flesh life too big? Do we need to... Shrink a little. What did John say? I must decrease, but he must get bigger. You know, fasting isn't a popular occupation because it hurts, hurts the flesh. But when we fast, something happens in the spirit. Well, in the realm, basically, our flesh diminishes so that spirit can go, hello. He's got something to say. This is our true identity. And though fasting isn't great fun, he blesses and honours that and we will be nurtured and brought to a higher place as we do that. It's a spiritual discipline. I'm just just flagging it up. I'm marketing it in our own way. We all have different ways to do that. Um, But I will assure you that as you make a sacrifice to put aside the natural life, for the sake of the spiritual, God will meet with you. He is more eager to meet with you than you are with him, actually. And if you imagine the, the prodigal son returning, the father saw him a far way off and ran to meet him. That's God's heart with us when we turn to him. He wants to have fellowship with us. If we just set aside the time and the space to do it. Okay. So jumping on, I'm really struggling to fit it all in, but we will have a go. Verse 27, I've talked about the hope of glory Christ in you. And then verse 28, him, this is Paul preaching about God, Jesus, him we preach. Warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And to this end also I labour, striving according to his working which works in me mightily. I think we can see that mighty element is very evident in Paul. But hey, the same Holy Spirit's in you. He can work mightily in you. And I'm going to prevail. I want to see mighty out of you guys. I know there's mighty in you. Every single one of you. And you might think, really? I'm not a shouty type. I'm not. A that doesn't have to be the mighty that's in you. We're all different. Every single one of us has mighty that needs expressing. So, he is inside you. Now, I was taken with him we preach, Paul says. Are we doing likewise? Mm. Why are we in East End Park? Him we are to preach. We must remember that. We must not let that diminish in our vision. The purpose is to declare Jesus Christ, to declare the risen son, to declare hope, salvation. Thank you. So, Paul's labour was all about this. And it ebbed and flowed in his life. There were times he was a tent maker and had to gather money to finance the next trip and so on. And then he was off on another journey and, and whatnot. We are on a journey too. And I want to declare that we are moving into, as we're turning the corner of this year into the next, we are gathering focused momentum. Okay? And as part of this, we have our Christmas events that we can begin some focus on about outreach. But something I want to challenge us with today in order to put arms and legs on this is I want us to come before God, we're before him now, to look for and actively seek an opportunity this week to share the gospel with one person. Now, I don't want to put legalism on anybody or a burden that you think, oh, I can't do that. But God is the supernatural king that can orchestrate circumstances. And if we will say, okay, Lord, I'm up for this. I, I want to take a risk this week. To share the gospel with somebody. I'm asking you, Lord, to prepare an opportunity. And maybe, I'm thinking about myself. Lord, prepare me to be going through life slow enough not to miss the opportunity. Because I'm 90 miles an hour at work. And I need to slow down. That's the nudge of the spirit. Right, pause. Turn to that person you've just walked past. And whatever. So, I want to challenge you with that. And... If you genuinely want to respond to that without feeling any condemnation or pressure, I'm asking you to stand up, all right? Because I want heaven to see, and we pull a demand on heaven that says, Father, we're asking for opportunities to glorify your son by sharing his story, okay? So if you are up for that, genuinely, don't just get up because everybody else is. I I really am happy if you don't get up, but if you would like that, then we're going to agree together for Holy Spirit. We can't do this in the flesh. But we want Jesus glorified. He died for me and I want to make that known. Father, we stand before you now. We thank you that you love every single one of us seated or standing. But for those who are standing, you, want, you really want to see your kingdom come. We are asking you, Father, to open opportunities and doors to share the gospel for each one of us individually this week ahead. We pray that you will orchestrate our steps and timings and everything else, Lord. We're giving you permission to operate in these terms. And we thank you for this and we ask you to remind us and make us mindful and ready as we go into our week ahead. In Jesus' name, Amen we thank you Father please sit down um, just about to finish here thank you guys for listening and taking this on board next Sunday what we are going to do is we're going to have testimony Sunday okay so we'll hear what God has done from that specific prayer what happened okay whatever occurred it's fine we're going to have open mic for people to share back so that we can be encouraged, we can see God moving. But also, as I said at the beginning, I could not do justice to that passage because there's so much in it. I would like to give opportunity, if you feel stirred by anything in that passage, you think, I think God, there's something in there, he's, he's grabbing me with something. Go back and let God unfold it. What's he showing you that we didn't touch on? And I want to give you a few minutes' opportunity to share back next week what God showed you. Because it's not just about one person. It's about all of us together. And I want us to give us the opportunity to do that. So, bless the Lord. Thank you for listening. If you want to stand up again, we are going to finish. If you can't stand, it's fine. If you want to sit, that's fine. Whether you are listening or watching, we hope you enjoyed this message. Please consider giving us a rating on your preferred podcast provider. If you're watching please hit the subscribe button and click the notification bell so that you never miss another video from freedom church